works. Well, good morning, New Hope family. How are we doing? Good. Are we excited to be in the presence of God this morning? Come on. Are we excited to be in the presence of God this morning? Amen. Well, if you're just uh, now joining us for the first time, my name is Sam Spence. I serve on the teaching team. We're super glad that you're here. And if you're online, a special welcome to you as well. So we as a church, we are currently in a season, oops, didn't mean to do that, of prayer and fasting. Do you click play, Tim? Uh, uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I typically do pretty good with technology. Thank you. The back button. I'm going the wrong way. This never happens. I think we got it. Always something, right? (laughs) So, gentle push. Prayer and fasting! Woo! It's going to get better, I hope. So, we're currently smack dab in the middle of uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And I know for our family, this has been a huge blessing. Have you all experienced that as well? Yes. Okay, a few of us. It has been awesome. And with this, uh, we have a memory verse as we go through um, James, and it is this. So together, um, why don't we go ahead and stand, because we're going to be standing here in a moment anyway. So we're doing a thing uh, here recently where we're standing when we read God's Word. Okay, God's Word is authoritative. We want to honor it. We want to respect it. So this is a symbol of honoring and respecting God's Word. Words. So let's go ahead and read our memory verse, James 1 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Wonderful church. Let's hide these words in our hearts as we continue through James. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're going to be in James 3. So I'll give you just a second. And. I'm going to read this, and you can follow along. It's not going to be on the screen. Um, So please, please, please bring your Bible. So James 3, 1 through 12, let's jump in. Taming the tongue. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, keeping their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord, our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray and then have a, have a seat here in a moment. Dear God, I thank you for this word in James. God, I invite your spirit here this morning uh, to lead me, to lead our conversation together, God. Please soften our hearts so we can receive this message. God, we love you and thank you for Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. All right, deep topic today. So I thought it would be fun to start with a game. What do we think? Woo! We already kind of had a game when I couldn't find the slides, but this, this is a different game. So what we're going to do, I'm going to put up a quote on this little TV right here, but it's not going to have the person famous for saying this quote. Does that make sense? So let's do a practice one. I push the right button. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, good. Okay, I forgot one important rule, though. I'm going to count down three, two, one. <laughs> Sandy, Sandy, you win that round. Okay, so I'm going to put the quote up, count down, three, two, one, then we'll, f there we go. And we're going to know all of them. Okay, what about this one? Spread love wherever you go, let no one ever come to you without ha leaving happier. Does anybody know that? Okay, three, two, one. Mother Teresa. I don't know if she was the original one that said that. That's what Google said, <laughs> right? Okay. This is a good one. Mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I hear some chuckling. Okay, three, two, one, shout it out. Absolutely, right? Here's a good one. This is a really good quote. In every job that must be done, there must be an element of fun. Anybody? Okay, my wife should know this. Okay, three, two, one. Yes, absolutely. Some of you guys are like, what? <laughs> right? Here's one. This one should be easy. I'm going to have trouble reading this. Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, hmm, but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah. Okay, three, two, one. What gave it away? <laughs> the backwards words, right? Okay, this is probably one of my favorite quotes of all time, okay? We got no food. We got no job. Our pet's heads are falling off. Does anybody know? Okay, three, two, one. Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. And I could not find Lloyd's last name. Does anybody know it? Is it Christmas? Google wouldn't even tell me that. Okay, Lloyd Christmas. Very good. Okay, so I wanted to play this game. Okay, it was a goofy game, but I wanted to set the stage and talk about how powerful words can be, because what we just read was a combination of words that stuck in our memory, right? Words are powerful. So think back to, to Mahatma Gandhi's speech in 1942, okay? The world was involved in this massive conflict, right? And India was in turmoil under the British rule at this time. And the Indian people, they were already kind of annoyed with their British rulers. And then now Britain was dragging them into this war. So they were tired of high taxes, disadvantages, cultural uh, oppression. So Britain joining World War II was kind of the last straw for the Indian people. So 
this speech, Gandhi's speech, this was the Quit India speech. So one August day in 1942, Gandhi delivered his most famous speech, which would same day grant the Indian people immediate freedom, immediate independence. So we see that words have changed history. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream helped jumpstart the American civil rights movement and became the rallying cry for equality. And by 1960, both the Civil Rights Acts and, and Voting Acts were passed in Congress thanks to the power of words. So words, we're seeing they, they evoke emotions, they evoke memories, passions, and words have literally shaped history. So your first fill in the blank is this. Words create worlds. Words create worlds. And what that means is this. The things we say with our mouths, they're going to have an impact. And whether that's a good impact for healing, for teaching, for correcting gently, or for harm, the things we say will change the future of the world for better or for worse because words have shaped history and they will continue to shape our future. And before we jump into our text today, I publicly need to confess to all of you and those of you that know me, this won't be a surprise. This is an area of struggle for me, watching what I say. Um, personally, I have the foot-in-the-mouth disease. Does anybody else? Why are we looking at our spouses? <laughs> Yikes. Okay, so some of us may now be aware we have the foot-in-the-mouth disease. So the foot-in-the-mouth disease is when you say something and you immediately want to stick your foot in your mouth, right? Because, oh, I shouldn't have said that, right? And I'm also super good, and I'm not bragging by any means. I'm just confessing my sin as we, we, we go through this. I'm a silence filler, okay? So if it's awkward, I'm going to say something, and it may not be the right thing. Right? Any of those people? I hear some chuckling. Right? It's like, you, you shouldn't, that, that shouldn't have even been said, Sam. So if I could get a tattoo on my right arm, like as a reminder, it would, it would say, Sam, just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said. <laughs> right? Oof. Open mouth, insert foot. So please, as we go through this morning, I'm preaching to all of us, okay? Because those of you that know me well have... Uh, relationships closely, you, you're going to see my sin and my delinquency in this area. So I just wanted to publicly confess that, that I'm a sinner. This message is just as much for me as it is for all of us. So getting ready with your Bibles out, James chapter 3, okay? James actually talks more about words, more about the things we say than any other New Testament author. James, he also mentions words in every single chapter of the book of James, and I kind of think he's on to something, right? I think James has mentioned words so much, it's because how prevalent words are in our society. We use words to interact with each other. We use words in business, words in entertainment. We use our words a lot, daily. And I'm going to tell you how much you use your words. Did you know the average person spends one-fifth of their life talking? The average person. Some of you like to gab, so you might spend two-fifths of your life talking. So think about this. I did some math, and you can check me if you're a math teacher. We're going to go through some figures. 
If you live to the age of 85, there are 8,760 hours in a year. So take 85 by 8,760 equals 744,500. One fifth, that's hours. So one fifth of 744,500 is 148,920. So, if you guys aren't lost yet, I'm going to make you more lost. So, you spend, if you live to the age of 85, on this average of spending one-fifth of your life talking, 148,920 hours of your life talking. Isn't that crazy? That is a lot of running your mouth. <laughs> For real. So, something else to think about. The average, okay, I'm saying average person speaks 7,000 words a day. And if you take all the words you say every day for a whole year, that is enough to fill 60 500-page books. Okay? Like what? That's a lot of words. This morning, per sermon, I'm going to speak around 5,500 words to put in that perspective. The, this is the average person. Some of us like to talk a lot. 60 500-page books you will speak in a year, and that's without pictures, right? <laughs> So this raises our, our main tension for the morning. If you end up talking for one-fifth of your life, or we're speaking enough words to write 6,500-page books a year, what story are you writing? What words are you choosing to put in your book? What are you sharing to those around you? What is this saying to the people reading your book that you're writing? Is this book full of wholesome talk is it filling other people up? Are you encouraging people? Or, or are you tearing people down? Are you slandering? Are you gossiping? So this is what, why we're talking about James 3. Okay? So, so let's get into Scripture. Uh, James 3, 1 through 2. Let's keep this in mind. How much we like to talk, church. So this is James 3. We're going to read 1 through 2. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So church, right out of the gate, James is warning us, words are going to be problematic for those that teach, for, for everybody. It says it's inevitable. We're going to say things we regret. We need to learn how to master our tongue. But notice what he says about teachers in verse 1. And, and this word that is used here for teacher is the Greek word, I'm going to do my best, didaskolia, which does specifically refer to like teachers on a religious platform, okay? Much like you would see a preacher today. Um, and I, so some of you are like, whew, I'm off the hook, right? I don't stand up on stage. I'm not a teacher. Whew, deep breath. But let me tell you, church, you're not off the hook just yet, Okay? Because if you look at this word, didaskalia, it says those that teach, okay? Specifically in doctrine and in faith. It says nothing about those that stand up and this only applies to those that teach on Sunday mornings, okay? It doesn't say only ministers or preachers are going to be judged more strictly. The Greek means those that teach faith and doctrine. So church, are you teaching faith? Are you teaching doctrine? Are you an elder? Are you a small group leader? Do you serve in the kids' wing? Think about it. If you are teaching, instructing, this applies to you. 
I didn't know that until I started looking into this, and it was extremely convicting for me. So there is weight to your position, your teaching position. There are eternal things happening. Who's excited about that? <laughs> I got one hand in the back. Woo! Just wait, it gets better. So if, if this is new for you, I, I challenge you to lean in this morning, okay? Especially lean in, um, because we're going to be held accountable for what we say. Okay, let's, let's continue to get to the meat of what we're talking about in verses 3 through 6. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but with it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself on fire uh, by hell. Right? It's getting a little deeper, right? Deep breath, church. Okay, we're going to get through this. So, the first thing James uses, I love the imagery here. Okay, so what's the first example he gave us of our tongue? Horse bit. How many of you guys have been around horses before? Okay, I will put my hand down. I don't even think I've ever touched a horse. The closest I've been to a horse is at the fair. Okay, they scare me because I tried to feed one like this once. Yeah, oh, (laughs) you don't feed a horse like this, church. Okay, that's a side sermon. So that's the closest I've been to a horse. So in looking into this, I asked around, and I actually found a horse bit. And I thought this was going to be a lot bigger, um, because like being around, never being around horses, I googled how much horses weigh, like 800 to like 2,000 pounds. I don't know what horse is 2,000 pounds, but I want no part of it. Maybe a draft horse or something. So this little piece of metal, I'm not an expert, I think you put it in their mouth, and then you can turn them like a car. Right? I think that's the best definition I can give you. So this little piece of metal turns a car or a horse into a car. You tame the horse with this. Amazing. Blows my mind. There's horses out there that weigh almost as much as my car. Okay, I can't wrap my head around that. Mind blown. But something so small, a little piece of metal can control something so powerful, right? That's our imagery today. Also in Scripture, we had another example. What was it? A boat, right? We got a picture of a boat we're going to throw up on the screen. Now, when James wrote this, I'm pretty sure this is what he was talking about, (laughs) right? There were probably a few of those in the Sea of Galilee um, with the the 36 fighter jets flying around. Let me tell you, when you become a dad, weird things happen. I'm reading books about boats. I don't know if that's happened to anybody else. But this is the CVN-76 USS Ronald Reagan, okay? A Nimitz-class aircraft carrier. Um, It's almost 1,100 feet with a full load displacement over 100,000 tons. The ship can go 30 knots or 35 mile an hour. It has 260,000 horsepower, so almost as much as my Subaru, right? (laughs) 260,000. 
It's like, what? That was a joke, if you guys don't know what horsepower is. <laughs> so on this 1,000-foot ship, capable of carrying 37 planes, three helicopters, 5,000 sailors, all of this ship is controlled by two rudders around 25 feet tall and 22 feet long. We have a picture of some rudders that steer that, and, and I know what you're saying, those are huge, Sam, but think about what those little rudders are turning. A thousand foot ship, 260,000 horsepower is being turned by a 20 foot, 25 foot by 20 foot long rudder. So like a rudder on a massive ship, or a small bit in a horse's mouth. Our tongue has that same power to steer our whole body in different directions. The last example we get is fire, right? Who loves fire? Fire, fire, right? Who remembers the wildfires this past year? Crazy wildfires these past few years. So bad, we could see the effects in the Ohio sky. Remember that? Most of the, the states that were caught on fire were covered in smoke, huge smog warnings across the United States. But the crazy thing is to think these massive fires just started with a spark. We laugh at Smokey the Bear when he says, only you can prevent forest fires. But it's honestly true. We can prevent forest fires because one careless camper in the woods can start a raging forest fire. So if a careless camper can destroy hundreds of acres of forest overnight, a careless word can destroy a life overnight, church. One word, one careless word can wreak havoc in someone's life. You can ignite a fire within them that can destroy their entire ecosystem. Because we learned earlier, our words can create worlds or words can destroy worlds. What are we saying with our words this morning? So let's go on uh, verses seven through eight. I think I'm out of order here. We'll come back to that. All kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no hum human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil and full of deadly poison. Okay. How many of you guys um, have pets? You know, cats, dogs, okay? Now leave your hands up. Let's see them. How many of y'all have tried to tame that beast? Okay, a few hands went down and be like, I quit, <laughs> right? So, I this word train, okay, or this word taming, okay, another word is domesticate. So those of us that have pets, we keep them inside, you're most likely going to have a training regimen. It's a don't go pee pee here, go poo poo there, don't chew on my slippers, here's your toy. Um, so how many of you guys, you've done that before, right? There is, we, we train. And the thing that was kind of an eye opener for me when I became a pet owner is I expected training to be a one and done kind of situation. Like, here's where you go, you do this, you do this, you do this, you go through the checklist, all right, we're good, right? Now you know how to live in the house. Has anybody had an experience like that with a pet? No, <laughs> no. We have, we have dogs, and it is a continual process. So this word, when we're talking about training our tongues, it's 
honestly like training that pet. Okay, there's gonna be accidents, but I'm gonna give you a definition of training. Training is consistent, persistent attention. To get the results you want, you have to train, you have to train, you have to train, and then you have to train again. That's what it takes to train our pets, and this is how we have to treat our tongue. To train your tongue, you have to have consistent, persistent training, and it's gonna take more than a day's commitment. Accidents are still gonna happen. You're still gonna hurt other people. There are still gonna be setbacks, but when you have these setbacks to own up to it, to apologize to those you put down with your tongue, to learn to move on. Persistent, consistent attention. So, before we move to our next section, did I miss a fill-in? Yes, okay, let's go back and get that. That is this, we, we, we talked about this. We have the capacity to bring great healing or great harm from our tongue. We got so excited we ran right through that one. Capacity, healing, harm. All right, let's move on. Stay here. So let's do some conviction time. Who's ready for that? Woo, I'm ready. Let's do it. So what does an untamed tongue look like? Okay, because sometimes we need to know. And I see more finger pointing. <laughs> Golly, y'all are brutal. So sometimes I think we need to be called out. Okay, I'll, I'll just be honest. So um, I'm going to give us some, this is Sam's opinion. Okay, you're not going to find this anywhere else. Um, but, and this is in no particular order. But these are some things you want to look for okay, in yourself. So my opinion, no particular order. One big sign you have an untamed tongue is taking cheap shots at people. Okay, I, I would call this like um, not necessarily nitpicking or like nagging. That's a different thing. But have you been around people who just kind of jab at people? They're not necessarily big mean comments, but you, mo you mainly see this in spousal relationships. Okay, like say you got people over for dinner, um, your husband was out grilling, you know, he's working really hard, and you're the wife, and you're, you're uh, uh, preparing stuff inside, and then he brings the food in, and you and your friends sit around the table, and you look at him, and you're, and you're eating, and then it's quiet at the table, and you just speak up, and you're like, I don't really like his burgers most of the time, but this is good. Did you need to say that? <laughs> right? It's the little comments. In that moment, it, yeah, he probably blew it off, or she blew it off. But church, these little comments over and over and over will erode your relationships. Think about a drop of water bloop, on a rock. Bloop, bloop. Long enough, what's going to happen to that rock? It's going to erode, right? These little comments over and over, these cheap shots, these little jabs in public, in private, they're going to erode your relationships. This is Sam's opinion. If you struggle with giving people cheap shots, these little comments, you may need to tame your tongue, okay? Number two, Sam's opinion, gossip. You may need to tame your tongue if you find yourself talking about other people. Because gossip is a weapon for those who feel, feel powerless. That's what it is. 
And honestly, slander is a weapon for people that feel powerless too. You know, a lot of time you hurt other people. It's just, you feel powerless. People that gossip, they nitpick, they don't have control over situations, situations in their own life, so they try to control them in their relationships by putting other people down, sharing information. Even if it's true information, if it doesn't need shared, it's gossip. Good, bad, or false. Okay, number three reason you might need to tame your tongue. Church, this is my pet peeve. You need to tame your tongue if you have a habit of saying something rude, hateful, plain, unkind remark, and then saying, just kidding. Drives me up a wall. Because church, let me tell you, that's bull. That's baloney. The, the reason you're saying just kidding is because you're catching up to what your mouth just said. Amen? You're letting your tongue run ahead of what you can control. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 34. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We're going to come back to this and talk about the condition of the heart. But you're saying, I'm sorry, because you're embarrassed of what just came up and came out. What you just said didn't come from your mouth. It came from your heart. This is Sam's opinion. Okay, I have lots of opinions sometimes. This is the equivalent of ripping a big, wet fart. Right? It came out. Everyone heard it. It's embarrassing. So what are you going to do? Cover it up or blow it off? Right? The same is true when hate comes out of your heart at somebody else. You're like, did that just come out of me? Yeah, it did. So what do you say? I'm just kidding. That's exactly what it is. You're saving face. You're trying to put your foot back in your mouth. Get those words back. Now, time out, church. Do you think some damage was done? Absolutely. Do you think you're just kidding made anything better? <laughs> no, it didn't. So, church, there are, we could spend the rest of our time together talking about examples of untamed, what an untamed tongue looks like. But the point is, we need to start to domesticate, to start to tame, to start to train with persistent, consistent attention. So let's continue in verse 9. Um, we gotta get, got to get cracking. So with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Continuing in verse 11 through 12. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So third thing, okay? James is telling us this morning that our words, we choose to say, they are revealing, okay? We're talking about the heart. Our words are revealing, So how many of you guys suffer from something I like to call road rage? <laughs> yes. Some of the sweetest, kindest people I know on this planet have the worst road rage. It's like a requirement. <laughs> you have to be very, very sweet. I'm not going to say any names, okay? But there was a sweet older lady in my life, and I loved her dearly. She had the most road rage. 
I've ever seen in a person. You've got the Jesus music going, your the favorite part's going to come on, somebody cuts her off, and then a list of profanities come out, <laughs> laying on the horn, and then it's right back to the chorus. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Jesus, right? Like, and I'm like, <laughs> right? It, it, it kind of blows your mind. That is a freshwater, saltwater moment that James is talking about. We cannot worship God as a treasure and treat other people like trash. Fresh water, salt water. It doesn't work that way. Let's look at this word curse in verse 10. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Okay, and I don't think James is talking only about four-letter words we say when we hit our thumb with a hammer. Okay, because I believe you can cuss somebody out without using a four-letter word. I believe you can curse someone without using a swear word. Church, any word you use to belittle someone, to put somebody down, that is a curse word. Can you use a four-letter cuss word to put somebody down? Yep, (laughs) right? But you can also cuss someone out without actually using a cuss word. So technically, if somebody uses one of these four-letter curse words and they don't tear somebody down, who is being cursed? No one, okay? Listen to me closely. No one's being put down. At this point, the person is just using foul language. And church, I need you to hear me clearly. I am not advocating the use of four-letter swear words, okay? We learned about ships this morning. We don't need to talk like sailors, okay? We are talking about using our words to put people down. It's less about a list of words you can't say. It's more about how you're using your words. Are you using your words to put others down or to lift them up? Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. So church, we see that our mouth speaks what our heart is full of. Our words reveal what is going on in our heart. Another way to say it, um, whatever's in the well comes out in the water. Right? It's common sense. Whatever's in the tree comes out as fruit. Proverbs tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words have the power to create worlds. Words have the power to destroy worlds. So today, so far, as we review, we've learned that our our tongue, our words, oops, it directs where we go. Words have the power to create worlds, to change worlds. Our words have the power to bring great healing or great destruction. We learned so far that taming and domesticating our tongue requires consistent, persistent attention. And now we're learning that our mouth speaks whatever our heart is full of. So if our words have so much power, they have so much potential, how, church, are you using your 7,000 words today? How are you using your words that will fill 6,500-page books this year? So I want to give us three challenges. I want to help us all apply what we're hearing this morning. 
Okay, your first challenge is this, to speak life-giving words. This is our first challenge as, as we're getting ready uh, to close out. Proverbs 12 says this, the, wor- the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. The tongue must always bring healing. When you're having difficult conversations, when that coworker is driving you nuts, ask yourself, in this moment, are my conversations, uh, is what I'm saying bringing healing? If your boss is being a, a major jerk, are you bringing healing to your side of the conversa- conversation? If your kids are being annoying, maybe I should say when your kids are being annoying, are you bringing healing in your words to them? Challenge one, speak life-giving words. Okay, second challenge is this. Speak life-giving words often, okay? Now you're like, Sam, you just gave me two points in a row. This number two is hard, okay? It's hard to do the first one. It's even harder to do the second. So don't just speak these life-giving words, okay? Do it often, and I know we've heard, heard the phrase over and over and over since we were little kids, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Yeah, 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 like that's a good quote. Typically, we don't say anything. That's a good step. But persistent, consistent training okay, of our tongue, because I think we can do better than that. Okay? Not saying anything in those moments is a good step, but I think we as Christ followers are supposed to do more. In uh, Ephesians 4, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that they may benefit those who listen. Not just stop saying, he's not just saying stop saying harmful things, he's starting to say, say uplifting things. Start saying healing things often. Because church, every day you have freshwater, saltwater opportunities. If your spouse does something well, don't just assume they know they did it well, right? Tell them. Say, hey, I noticed you got Pop-Tarts at the store. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) Right? Thank you for taking out the garbage. You look nice today. Tell your kids you're proud of them, even if they made the ugliest macaroni art, right? I love you. I'm proud of you. If you color it outside of the lines, that looks amazing. It's going on the fridge, right? Speak life-giving words. Build up your friends, your neighbor. Do it proactively. Don't wait till they need it. Tell your truck you like his, or tell, you, tell your friend. <laughs> yeah, man, Woo. deep breath. Tell your friend you like his new truck rims he put on. You may know nothing about trucks, cars, but what did you notice? He got new rims, right? And if he got new rims, he's probably excited about them, and he would probably love to tell you about where he got them and what he did. Church, you see where I'm going with this. You don't have to lie, because you might not really care about his truck rims, but you're saying, hey, I noticed you got new truck rims. Tell me about it. That's going to make his day. That is speaking life-giving words to others often. Tell the male lady you like her hair, right? Easy stuff, church. You see, too many life-giving words, okay? They're never said throughout the day. 
you speak 7,000 words a day, how many of them are going to be life-giving? Like I said, this, this message is for me. I picked a random day last week and tested myself. 22. I said 22 things I consider uplifting. I think I could do better than that, right? 7,000 words, and only 22 of them were uplifting. That's three comments I made to somebody. That's it. What does this look like for you? Because for me, so often I say, I'll tell him tomorrow, you know, I'll see him tomorrow, I'll tell him I like his rims tomorrow, you know, or I'll tell her I like her haircut eventually. It'd be weird if I texted him now since we're home from work, you know, or if I call him out of the blue. Church, do not let your pride, the awkwardness, the, care the carelessness is what we'll call it, stop you from being generous with your words. You are speaking 7,000 words a day. Be generous with them. Okay, our last challenge here. Check your heart. Because if you are finding it difficult to speak these things into other people's life, if you are just so consumed with negative stuff, I would challenge you to examine your heart. Are you angry all the time? Are you anxious? Are you jealous of everyone else's success? Do you feel the need to point out weaknesses in everybody else? Are you an expert in all things that are wrong? Because a critical heart is going to speak critical words. A self-righteous heart speaks judgmental words. A fearful heart speaks negative words. And a bitter heart speaks toxic words. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because a grateful heart speaks grateful, gracious words. A faithful heart speaks truthful, truthful words. A peaceful heart speaks reconciling words. And a loving heart will speak healing words, church. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, oh man, this is for me. <laughs> okay, this is, let me tell you, this is for me too. If you don't like the words that are coming out, ask what's going in. What am I putting in my heart? What are you consuming? What narrative have you bought into? What voices have you believed? What script are you buying into? Because, church, I'm telling you, if you don't like the words that are coming out, it's time to start looking at what you're putting in your heart. Because the heart speaks. It causes you to speak the way you do. So we're going to move into a challenge time. Uh, we can go ahead and dim the lights. So how do we fill our hearts with the right stuff? We need to ask God to fill us with his love, his grace, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our life. We need to begin to soak into his word, soak into his community, to ask him to heal us of our woundedness. Because in order to change what comes out of our mouth, we have to change what goes into our heart. And here's the crazy thing, church. We have power in this room together. If every single one of us in this room committed to speaking life-giving words in every interaction they had every single day this week, we would slowly change our community. And that community would slowly change the world. And the beautiful thing is God uses ordinary people every day. He's doing it today. I'm an ordinary person. You are an ordinary person. 
If we committed every single day, all of us, to give life-giving words, we would impact so many people. So church, this week, picture your circle of influence. Where are you going after this today? What does work look like when you go into work on Monday? Who are you going to see? Are you going to go to the coffee shop? Are you going to see a barista there? Is there somebody that's always in there the same time you are? Be intentional this week. Okay? I challenge you. Plan some intentional, uplifting conversations. If you know you're going to see somebody, think of something nice to say right now. Have it ready. Speak uplifting words. Speak them often. Examine your heart. Was this good, church? Amen. I needed this message today. And it's, it's our prayer as a church that you needed this, this sermon too. So I want to take a moment to pray. And I want to thank Jesus. Sorry, I bumped my mic. I want to thank him for this morning, for showing up, through speaking to us, for leading our time together. So let's go ahead. Uh, the worship team's going to come up. We're going to bow our heads and let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this word this morning. Spirit, thank you for leading our conversation. Thank you for using ordinary people to change the world, God. God, I want to pray for every one of us that we, we would begin to have a softened heart for people around us that need some spiritual uplifting. God, I want to pray for the rest of our morning as we move into our next worship song that we would begin to think about those people that need these uplifting words. God, please break our heart for what breaks yours. Please soften our hearts during this next worship song. Put some people in our minds, Jesus, that we can reach this week. Father, we love you and thank you for Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Um, it's awesome that we're going through the book of James. It's such... It's all right. It's such a... That's all right. So it's... Uh, moment broken. All right, uh, let's come back. So the book of James is such a practical book, right? As we're kicking off this year, that's why we are doing the book of James, because we're learning and growing. We're building a foundation, a new foundation, and in the season of fasting, what we're doing is we're putting off some things in our life. We're putting on the good things in our life. We're, we're trying to put the things away that distract us, that, that create noise, that stuff that he's talking about. What goes in comes out. We want to put God in. We want to build our foundation on God. Amen? And so as we respond today uh, for you, I want you to just let God speak to you. What do you need to put off? What are some words? What are some of the attitudes of your heart that you know come out? What are those things you need to put off? And start asking God, would you free me from those? The Holy Spirit, would you convict me when they start happening? Whatever's going on inside of me, let, help me see the root, God. And, and as we sing, as we respond to worship, the song is called Build My Life. We're, we're building our life. We're, we have this common thing of worship this morning. Is we want Christ to be our foundation. We want him to be the well in our hearts that starts pouring out. So would you stand as we just respond and take that time of worship? So God, continue just to lead us in this time. Meet us here and speak to our hearts as we sing to you.